This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay at the start of a new month. It's Tuesday, November the 1st. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. And there's plenty of criticism for the Home Secretary today after she said this in the Commons. The British people deserve to know which party is serious about stopping the invasion on our southern coast and which party is not. Some 40,000 people have arrived on the south coast this year alone. Suella Braverman was responding to questions about the asylum system and conditions at a processing centre in Manston, which has been described as inhumane. That use of the word invasion hasn't gone down well, with some accusing her of stoking hatred towards refugees. Josie Norton is head of the aid organisation Choose Love. Something that needs to change and needs to be remembered is that it is a fundamental human right to seek asylum. It's not a kindness that we're bestowing upon these people. We are just asking that people are are having their human rights met. But Immigration Minister Robert Jemrick has defended his colleagues' comments. I think invasion is a way of describing the sheer scale of the challenge, and that's what uh, Suella Braverman was trying to express. She was also speaking, I think, and this is an important point, for those people who live on the South Coast, who day in, day out are seeing migrant boats Mm -hmm. landing on their beaches. Uh, There was a report just yesterday from a lady who found a young migrant from Albania Mm -hmm. in her kitchen Mm -hmm. uh, seeking... Uh, support, asking for money. I, I, I know that, that's not acceptable. The Home Secretary was also questioned about a firebomb attack on another asylum facility, this time in Dover. As you may have heard in yesterday's podcast, three homemade devices were thrown at the building on Sunday before the suspect was found dead at a nearby petrol station. The town's MP, Natalie Elphick, asked Ms Braverman about high tensions in the town. Constituents working at the Dover facility have raised concerns about the current safety at the site. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that this type of facility has no place in a busy open port like Dover? And can she look at moving it to a more appropriate, secure location immediately? This is what the Home Secretary had to say in response. I will do everything I can to find cost-effective and practical alternatives. We need to find many more uh, sites for accommodation and beds. We are looking at all instances, whether that is hotels, whether that's land owned by other agencies, for example, MOD or other government departments. And since yesterday's podcast, it's been revealed the suspect in that petrol bombing was a 66-year-old man who travelled more than 100 miles. Police raided a house in High Wycombe in Buckinghamshire yesterday as part of their investigation. Also today, a report has further criticised conditions at that asylum facility that we mentioned earlier in Thanet. Inspectors visited in July and discovered there were no beds and no access to fresh air or exercise. They found exhausted people sleeping on the floor and some had been there for more than 30 hours waiting to be processed. Well, I've been speaking to Charlie Taylor, who's the chief inspector of prisons. He also went back to the site at Manston in September. We'd been very critical in the past of Western Jetfoil, where uh, migrants were arriving on the docks at Dover and actually things have got better there. But similarly, we, we, we saw that Manston w- was working as it should be generally. So people were getting processed through fairly quickly. I then actually returned to the, um, to the centre in September. And I think we were beginning to see some issues then. So 
some of the migrants were then being detained for three, four days. And also we were seeing issues with things like people being able to use the phone. So, so it certainly seemed that things were beginning to get worse. You mentioned there about the, the speed in which the asylum seekers need to be processed because this facility isn't set up for people to be staying overnight. But I know your report has suggested that there was a distinct lack of beds and things like that because some, as you mentioned, were being held for a lot longer. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it, this is set up as a short-term holding facility. The idea is people come in, they're quickly processed, uh, and, th- and then they, they're then moved on elsewhere. What, what we saw some cases of in our report is people being kept overnight and sometimes for longer periods of time, sometimes two or three days. But what, what we're hearing now recently is, is that people are spending far longer in the centre. And in effect, what's happening is it's it's a, it's lots of marquees. Uh, they um, are either expected to sleep on the floor or on benches, um, and and that uh, they've got blankets, but there aren't necessarily proper mattresses in place. And also, though I gather there's been a change there, we 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 found that people couldn't get outside. There was no access to fresh air. I understand that has now changed, but uh, w- what we've done about this is to announce that that we will go back in the near future. Um, because we're so concerned about some of the things we're hearing about the place. Yeah, it's been very um, heavily criticised in in recent days. There was evidence given to MPs last week, and I know Roger Gale visited at the weekend, the North Bannis MP. He was very concerned about what he saw. And I know you mentioned in the report as well, um, these people are coming from various countries, but they weren't necessarily getting access to translators to know specifically what was going on when they were in that facility. Yes, that's right. And and the danger here is that, that you can miss out with some very, miss out, on giving support to some very vulnerable people. So we know that some of the people who, who are arriving at, uh, at the docks or, or arriving at Manston may have been subjected to, to torture, to abuse, uh, and, and, and also may be suffering from mental health difficulties. And if translation isn't happening effectively, then uh, it's very hard to get to the bottom of of what might be going on for those individuals. It must be quite difficult for you to see things like that. Does it? How does it affect you personally when you when you go and and see situations like that with, as you say, people sleeping on the floor? It's concerning because uh, we've got a responsibility as an inspectorate to to look at the treatment of conditions of people, and and that these are people who are detained by the state, and we feel very strongly, and and it's our remit that people who are detained by the state ought to be treated with 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 common decency. And, and what we're hearing about what's going on at Manston suggests that that's not happening at the moment. Obviously, there are huge numbers of people there now, more so than perhaps when you were last there. What are the staffing levels like, though? Are there enough people to cope with those numbers? At well, the moment? There were certainly some staff shortages when we were there in the summer, and we've alluded to that in our report, that they, they were unable to open some of the accommodation because they didn't have sufficient staff members there. Um, I, I can't comment directly on what the staffing situation is like at the moment, um, but to say we have heard um, from creditable sources that, that there are some real concerns about level of staffing, in, in, particularly in some of the marquees. Kent Online News. Some other top stories for you today. And a Folkestone boxer who almost killed a man with a single punch during a fight in a beer garden has been jailed. A court heard Matthew Chapman had drunk 10 pints before knocking his victim to the ground, leaving him needing life-saving brain surgery. The 33-year-old from Kent Road has been locked up for two and a half years after it happened in May. The former Met Police officer from Kent who killed 
Sarah Everard is due back in court today, facing two counts of indecent exposure. Wayne Cousins is already serving a whole life sentence, meaning he'll never be released. The new charges relate to offences that took place before Sarah's murder in March last year, one in 2015 and the other in 2020. Detectives investigating a spate of burglaries in Swanley have charged a man. Cash, car keys, laptops, tablets, jewellery and bank cards have all been taken from the homes in Court Crescent and Goldsall Road. A co-op was also targeted. A 32-year-old is due at Crown Court at the end of the month. Two people have thanked emergency services who managed to rescue them from a plane that crashed after taking off from Rochester. The light aircraft ended up wedged in trees in Woodland, not far from the Robin Hood pub at Bluebell Hill. It happened at about 11 yesterday morning and they were finally freed more than four hours later. Ruth Samson and Timothy Nathan say they experienced a loss of power after takeoff but are both fine and uninjured. Now, figures seen by the Kent Online podcast show Medway is one of the worst areas in the country for pollution. The analysis from Friends of the Earth shows air pollution in parts of Strood, Chatham and Gillingham are double the recommended health standards. Strood GP Dr Julian Spinks has been speaking to reporter Amy Tregenna. The main reason why we have so much pollution is we are a major urban area and we're in a setting um, where you have rivers and uh, relatively few major roads going through it. So a lot of the traffic that's going through the Medway towns is confined to the A2 corridor. And finally, we're in a valley. And uh, under some uh, uh, circumstances, what tends to happen is the pollution gets trapped in the valley. Uh, We have fewer power generation facilities and things compared with what we did have. Uh, But back then, in particular, if the wind was blowing from the sea up the Medway, uh, it tended to push the pollution into here. So all of that combination tends to mean that uh, we get high levels of pollution. And uh, it is difficult to see how we can tackle that without reducing things like levels of traffic and trying to get the flow of traffic better through Medway. Yeah, it's definitely a problem at the moment, the amount of traffic in Medway, just constant roadworks everything's just at a standstill a lot of the time. Well, absolutely. Um, You know, stationary traffic is far worse than moving traffic um, because you actually pack the cars in tighter. So there's more cars producing pollution in a particular mile. And certainly when I go through the Medway towns, I spend an awful lot of the time in queues or waiting for traffic lights, particularly around things like the uh, bridge between uh, Rochester and Strood and go through the centre of Chatham on the A2. And that's where the pollution seems to be at its worst. Is it having quite a big impact on people's health then, would you say, um, the people who live in Medway? Well, it almost certainly does have a high impact. Um, There's a lot of evidence suggesting that actually Uh, Air pollution causes a major amount of ill health Um, across the UK. They're suggesting a conservative estimate, possibly 28,000 deaths a year from air pollution. Um, And that is pretty awful. Um, There are two main types that we tend to measure. The the, the first one is particulate matter. Uh, And this is little tiny particles of soot and dust and all sorts of things like that. Um, And it can be from uh, um, car exhausts and bus exhausts, but also things like uh, when you have you break, you have bits of dust coming off your tires and that. And these are absolutely minute. We've moved away from the the sort of 1950s style smog and very obvious smoky pollution to these things that are far too small to see. Uh, The the one that they concern a lot about is called PM 2.5. 
Uh, and that is several times smaller than a human hair. So you're not re really going to see it floating around. And because it's so small, it can get past your nose and mouth and the ordinary filtering ends up down in your lungs where it can trigger things like asthma, chronic lung disease. Um, it also affects the heart as well and can give you heart disease and even stroke and so on. So that's pretty devastating. And there are even smaller particulates called PM 0.125 times as small as that. And there's evidence that will get out of the lungs, into the bloodstream and go to other parts of the body. All of these are carcinogens. Um, the study also says that people living in the areas most affected are three times less likely to own a car than people living elsewhere. So I know you said that um, reducing traffic mm -hmm. is one thing we could do to change it. But do you think there's anything else that might be able to help? It's an ironic thing that actually, of course, because these roads are so busy and noisy and polluted, um, then it tends to be people who can't afford to live anywhere else ends up along them. So they, uh, because they tend to be poorer, they're less likely to have the cars themselves. Um, a move to things like electric cars will make a difference because clearly you're no longer um, burning uh, petrochemicals. So you're not getting the particulates. You're not getting the other pollutants such as nitrogen dioxide out of those cars. But it won't completely eliminate the other sources such as tires and brake dust and so on. We also have to remember that when we're um, trying to go for electric cars, we have to generate that electricity somewhere. And if we're not going to be using renewables, then there's danger we're actually burning other petrochemicals to actually generate the uh, the electricity that powers those cars. Um, making traffic flow freely probably is another way of doing it. So it's not sitting stationary, pumping out pollution. But ultimately, if you're going to be in a very crowded area with cars going down the middle, it is very difficult to avoid this sort of pollution. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. The widow of a Kent man who died because of the contaminated blood scandal says it's a victory to finally get it officially recognised. 62-year-old Steve Diamond from Broadstairs was one of thousands of people infected with hepatitis in the 1970s and 80s. He died of liver failure in 2018 and now an inquest has ruled it was a direct result of the contaminated blood he was given. An Ashford resident has been fined after paying someone £200 to collect their rubbish, only for it to be fly-tipped 800 metres from their home. The waste was discovered on Beaver Lane and evidence linked it to a property in nearby Singleton. The resident hadn't checked the waste carrier was legit and has been told to pay £400. Work on two multi-million pound projects to improve junctions of the A249 is due to start next year. Construction on the Key Street and Grovehurst roundabouts in Sittingbourne was originally supposed to begin this month but has been pushed back. Bosses say it should be finished in the summer of 2024 and will improve capacity and safety. Meantime, £600,000 worth of roadworks are starting on the shared space in Ashford. It's a bit where cars and pedestrians use the same area and there aren't any pavements. Well, council bosses say the work will ensure its long-term future and it should be finished by next spring. An historic building in Maidstone looks set to stay as a jeweller's after being bought by a businessman from Gravesend. We told you last week how Cornell's on Gabriel's Hill was going to close after all their stock was sold. Now, the owner of Blackwell Jewellers has revealed he intends to open a branch in the town. Lucy joins me now with more on this one. Good news for the town then, Lucy. Absolutely. When we told you last week that Cornell's was going to shut, people were clearly very sad to hear the news. As you say, it's an historic building that's been there for 225 years and is Grade 2 listed. The new owner's a man called James Marsh, who started out as an apprentice when he was 16. 
2018. He currently has stores in Gravesend and Bexley Heath, making the Maidstone one his third branch. And do we know when it'll open and what'll happen to current staff? Well, James says the whole thing is a dream come true and he's excited but also nervous. The 48-year-old has confirmed he'll be keeping on some of the current workforce and intends to open in February. Kent Online reports. 15,000 patients in Dover could be getting a new medical centre. Plans for Whitfield have been unveiled as the area is set to see thousands of new homes over the next few decades. If approved, it'll be built on farmland on the northern edge of the village, replacing the Whitfield surgery at Sandwich Road. Street pastors in Dover are going to start daytime patrols this month. Volunteers have been trained up to support people in the town centre, including young mums who might be struggling with loneliness or depression. This is one of our most read stories today. Tributes have been paid to the former landlady of a popular Medway pub. Wendy Stenhouse ran the Greyhound in Rochester until 2002 and passed away in the summer. Well, now regulars have gathered to celebrate her life. Our reporter Nicola Jordan has been speaking to people who knew Wendy. Very lovely lady. And my outstanding memory was on her 60th birthday when she said, Oh, no, I won't wear big knickers till I'm 60. And on her 60th birthday, I gave her the biggest pairs of drawers you could ever have. And I said, I've got the receipt, so you can take them back and buy normal ones. So what was her response to that? Laughed, as she always would. And had another glass of lager. <laughs> so what was it about the Greyhound for you? Oh, I loved it. I like little pubs like this, where everyone's friendly. Yeah. Do you, think, do you think it's a shame that so many of them are closing down? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I could, I could have bought the ground with what I spent in there. You met so many lovely people. And what are your memories of Wendy? Uh, we used to go shopping on uh, the odd occasion when I needed some, uh, some new clothes, which was quite often. I had no dress sense, and Wendy was like a surrogate mother in that sense. She knew what I needed, and she was brilliant in sort of taking me to Hempstead Valley, walking me around the places I'd be embarrassed to go on my own and helping me choose what I needed. I just think it's a shame that someone that's lived in the Medway towns nearly all their life and traded in Rochester um, in a community environment should be forgotten, really, because I expect in, in her time she probably has helped out a lot of people, you know. Kent Online reports. Leon has pulled out of plans to open a new drive through in Kent. The fast food company was due to open a branch at the Discovery Park in Sandwich. Construction work appears to be complete and it's understood a Burger King will be launched there instead. A leisure centre in Medways reopened today after four months of refurbishment. The waterfront site at Gillingham Marina closed during the pandemic but has since been taken over by new owners. Team GB rowing star Sarah Parfett, who lives in nearby Cliffwoods, was involved in the opening ceremony. Joel Curry says he's looking forward to wrapping up his tour and has taken off the whole of December so he can watch the World Cup. He's been chatting to Numi on the hit list over on our sister radio station KMFM about his new song Lionheart with Tom Grennan. I was a big fan of Tom and I was following his journey for years and he's top of the game, he's absolutely killing it. And we crossed paths together at um, a concert that we were both playing at and we just got chatting backstage and I'll we were like, we need to get in the studio and get one off together. Mm. So uh, literally a couple of weeks later, we was in the studio and um, we was recording Lionheart. And as soon as Tom laid down those vocals, everyone in the room just knew like something special was happening. 
and we both loved this record and this was like a year ago so i worked on it for like a whole year with him really hard to get it perfect and um finally felt like the right time to drop this tune and um, i'm so happy with the reaction to it and for me it's like a, a bit of a step in new direction for a record as well yeah this is probably the biggest record i've ever um produced as in that it's very anthemic like the whole drop is instrumental it's more of a big festival stadium feeling record which is the sort of tune that i've been wanting to make and put out for a while now because i've been on tour this year I'm playing a lot of festivals, a lot of main stages around the world. And I wanted that big sort of anthem record and Lionheart definitely ticks that box. Was it just kind of like accident that you've created a song that's called Lionheart, like just before the World Cup? (laughs) Well, you know, I did mention that we were timing this one perfectly. (laughs) Now you know why I waited a little bit. (laughs) Because I did hear it and I was like, yep, that's going to be the World Cup song this year, isn't it? That would be so cool, though, honestly. That would be so cool. If you missed the chat last night, you can listen back in full at kmfm.co.uk. Same with Music News and Bastille are going to be coming to Margate next summer. They'll be on the scenic stage at Dreamland on the 1st of July. 2023 marks the 10th anniversary of their debut album and tickets go on sale on Friday. And if you were out celebrating Halloween last night, we're now being urged not to dump our unwanted pumpkins outside. Woodland Trust and Forestry England say they're poisonous to some animals and can have harmful effects on the growth of plants. Rotting pumpkins can also attract a large number of rats. Well, the suggestion is to eat them if possible or put them in a compost bin instead. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also sign up to the briefing to get a daily update of the top stories each morning. Direct your email. Just head to kentonline.co.uk And whilst you're on the site today, you can check out all of the criminals Locked up in Kent in October. Plus, you can see inside Whitstable's most expensive home. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat, and Vauxhall.